0: Hey, baseball fans! Welcome to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast with your host, the voice of the Apple Sox, Joel Norman. And welcome back in. It's another edition of the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. We mentioned him a few times on the last episode of the Apple Sox podcast, so we figured our next episode should probably include him. As we're joined today by Apple Sox catcher from the 2022 CJ Horn. CJ, how are you doing? Happy to have you with us here, and thanks for being part of the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Pretty fired up for the season coming up.
0: Yeah, you've got your college season right around the corner. Uh, Tell everyone, when is opening day for you at Ball State? Opening day
1: is February 17th. We go down to UNC Charlotte.
0: That's pretty exciting to head down there. A little bit warmer weather than what you're dealing with in Indiana, I imagine. Lightly warmer. I don't know how much warmer, but
1: it is warmer for sure.
0: Yeah, and you're a guy who's kind of been used to your warm weather, and you've moved around a little bit. As uh, you know, Before we even just dive into your time with Ball State, CJ, we've got to just touch on your college career. I feel like I'm regurgitating a conversation I had with Xander before because both of you guys have had some really insane college journeys. For you, you start out New Mexico Military Institute, then you go to play at the University of the Incarnate Word, then you go to Sierra College, and then you go to Ball State. So basically for you, this, this year is pretty nice where you're actually having back-to-back years at the same school. Just give everyone the crash course on your college history because you've been all over the place.
1: Yeah, reflecting on that, it's crazy. I was at one point I was four schools in four years, so that's uh, pretty uncommon. I don't know how how much uncommon it is because of the COVID rule nowadays. But uh, what happened to me was I went to a junior college, New Mexico Military. My freshman year, I was lucky to land a scholarship to University of Incarnate Word. After my freshman year, I posted up some good numbers. While I was there, I was there at UIW from 2019 to 2020. Uh, COVID happened. I had had gotten my first start, my first D one hit during that game. All the cancellations were happening. So SEC was getting canceled, Big Ten, Big Twelve, you name it, they were all getting canceled during the game. So it was kind of a weird wow. feeling getting to the locker room and seeing how March Madness, March Madness, had just gotten canceled, and it was just a weird feeling. So after that, uh, you know, I I didn't see uh, I didn't see much uh, time there in the future. So I decided to go the junior college route. Ended up at Sierra College. Uh, I have family up in Sacramento, so that was an easy move. And after a year there, ended up at Ball State. So kind of crazy. And I'm here for my second year. So
0: yeah, second year at Ball State, and technically your senior year finally, or do you got a couple more years in the bag?
1: Technically my senior year, so it's uh, my fifth year, but COVID senior.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's nice that you know the NCAA has allowed everyone to get these extra opportunities because no one could have seen just what happened with COVID in general, with how that interfered with everything. So it's nice that it worked out for you in that regard as well. So talk to me about the Ball State program. You're number two there. You know, you had a lot of great stuff to say. Uh, Will Jacobson, who committed there last summer, played for the Apple Sox. He had great stuff to say. I don't know if it's a program everyone thinks about, though, right off the top. And they're talking about college baseball, though. Tell me what you love about playing there
1: it's weird there's actually there's a lot of history behind ball state and we got one of the best head coaches in uh d1 baseball we got coach maloney rich maloney who in my opinion will one day be a hall of fame head coach he's got he got his 900th win last year and that was kind of a big deal but it starts with him. we we got a really gritty program we got a ton of draft picks i've been through here a Ton of all americans um we had a uh, we had a gold glove third baseman last year all of d1 baseball you know so um Forty wins last year. I think we ended up forty and nineteen. Won the MAC conference championship regular season. Lost to Central Michigan the tournament. But uh, it's just a like year in year out. Uh, we pretty much compete and uh, compete for a championship every year. It's a pretty fun program. Really gritty, uh, uh, blue collar program in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it, it it's the you it, it a great year for you guys. And I was so excited that you were coming to the Apple Sox after that. I love when guys come to play summer baseball after going on those, those runs because it was evident. You kind of brought that playoff mindset to summer baseball last year. And, you know, (laughs) I, I seriously though, because I feel, I think guys who like, if you fall shorter than you expected in the tournament, it's like guys come into the summer going like, not that I have something to prove, but boy, I really want to win because I just got to taste how good it was a moment ago. For sure. Um, yeah, losing that MAC conference championship
1: to Central Michigan hurt. Uh, I started that game actually, and uh, ended up losing. We had gone five and zero against them all year, and uh, they're a really good baseball team. We were too. and We dropped the last two games in the conference tournament, missed a regional bid because uh, uh, we didn't get an out large bid, and going to summer baseball earlier than what I expected. You know, uh, there was a lot. There was a huge chip on my shoulder for sure.
0: Last year with Ball State, you had uh, you played thirty-one games in that time. You had you know three doubles in there, seven RBI. What were your takeaways from that year? Because you were kind of splitting catching duties last spring, weren't you?
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. And we had some injuries too, so um, got some more time behind the dish. Yeah, it was it was a grind for sure. At one point, we got down to two catchers, so uh, you know handling a staff throughout a week and then going to play four game series at the on the weekends was definitely a grind so uh, yeah it kind of opened my eyes at college baseball I mean I've always known it obviously it was my fourth year but you know it kind of opened my eyes you got to take care of your body take care of your arm make sure you're healthy Um, the best uh, best ability is availability pretty much
0: yeah you talked about how it was kind of a grind at times last season but you spent time in junior college baseball and I don't know if there's a junior college baseball player who ever says it was easy. And I don't think anyone will ever do that about juco baseball. So how much did did your time playing juco ball really prepare you for some of those heavier workloads, some of those weekends where you felt like, okay, this is a little bit, but, boy, I've had tougher I've went through?
1: You know – Juco really teaches you mental toughness and a lot of mental fortitude. So, yeah, it, it ain't for the weak. And that and that's what everyone says. And it's true. It, it really is. It really isn't. So, really, the mental toughness part of it, especially, like, playing when you don't feel 100% and needing to win games, you know, and your, your arms feeling 60% that day and your legs are blown out, you know. You just got to find a way to push through and uh, find a way to get a win, pretty much. That, that was the biggest thing uh, I took away from Juco
0: we talked about your time at ball state and those three years before that little crazy 2019 through 2021. Give me a moment though. That was a bright spot amidst all of that. What was one of your favorite moments, whether it was with New Mexico military Institute incarnate word or, you know, Sierra college, what was one moment that just stood out to you that you look back on and you're like, boy, that was a big moment for me in my college baseball career.
1: Ooh, that's a good question.
0: Um, I have moments from all three of them. Um, I'll take one
1: from each if you want to do that, too. (laughs) Uh, New Mexico military. I met some of my best friends. Um, My biggest moment was probably my first college home run there, for sure, because once I got that, I kind of had the ball rolling and uh, I started hitting doubles and more home runs throughout there. I had a handmaid bone surgery prior to the season, so I, I had to sit down until March uh, once I got my opportunity as a freshman, I kind of ran away with it pretty much. And uh, it started with that first home run, so that was always fun. Uh, UIW, just meeting a great group of guys, uh, being able to grind. Uh, I was I was a uh, backup to a uh, Johnny Bench finalist the year before, so just l- being able to learn from him and kind of model my game after him was awesome. And obviously my first start was pretty cool as well. So uh, we played at university of New Mexico that one. So that was a big, big one for me. And then Sierra, the dudes, honestly, that, that fired up my passion for baseball again, just being around a great group of guys. Uh, COVID kind of took everything away from baseball. You know, you have a bunch of uncertainties, uh, whether you want to play still or not, you know, and uh, just being around a great group of guys. I mean, uh, every day and being able to, called them your best friends, pretty much. Uh, that was my favorite moment here Sierra, for sure.
0: Yeah, three really great ones. And over the years, you've definitely had that opportunity to grow up through some of those challenges. I mean, for one, you know, CJ, each year when I'm doing research on players, you know, I'm looking at their different bios over the years. Boy, your headshot from 2019 to 2023 sure looks a lot different. You grew up a lot in that time. How much do you feel like it's helped you mature as a player and as, as a man, you know, playing through college baseball at different places?
1: Yeah, you you take you take you take things from everywhere you go. So uh, I played under you know four 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 good head coaches, and pretty much you kind of piece together. And usually the common theme between all four of them is you know the the life aspect to it. So just being you know like just a good overall guy, honestly, and take pride in being the best possible person you can be every day. And that honestly taking that to heart as a freshman. Being at the Military Institute, that was a big thing they taught. And uh, it, set a, it set up a great base for me to to have some willingness to learn and grow myself every every single year.
0: You've been in a lot of different states in this country. And I think as, as someone who also has done that a lot, I encourage it to everyone. It's right. so good to see different parts of the country experience different types of people throughout it. Uh, you, we're, I mean, you're from Arizona, plenty of time in Texas. California as well. Uh now Indiana, what's what's been your favorite place to be? And you know, like throughout the country, what have you really liked the most? Is it home or is it somewhere else?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I, I had a coach
1: last year as well who who's like you, uh, spent time at Penn State all over the all over the map. Coach Beamer, head coach at a Butler University now.
0: Okay.
1: Uh he always told me home's where the heart is and you know, I kind of took that to heart right now honestly out of all the places it's hard to beat the west coast in general that's just it's just hard the the scenery is just different i mean i'm in indiana and there's no mountains anywhere close nearby you know and they're a thousand miles away so uh being able to stay in washington travel through canada oregon california arizona that whole negative woods even nevada i mean it's beautiful montana is beautiful i drove through there that, that yeah. place is beautiful um yeah it's just it's hard to beat the the west coast and the pacific Northwest especially so
0: i'm I'm with you one hundred percent there I'm spending my off season right now in nebraska great place to live <laughs> there's a lot I like about it in all seriousness though but boy it's hard to beat the Pacific Northwest especially in the for summertime sure. that's for uh, sure yeah one of my favorite places to really be let's touch on some of your time with the apple Sox, c j in two thousand and twenty two you come in And you kind of came in in a hurry, we'll put it that way. You arrived the day before the first weekend of the season, if I remember right. Wasn't that right before we went down to Bend? It was, it was. So it was, in a way, it was a precursor of how that weekend was going to go, because we'll spare a lot of the details. It was a hectic and a little chaotic weekend in general. So you got your crash course coming in, you're arriving as soon as you you can, and then it's a, a, a hectic weekend again, we'll say. Did, did that put, you know, a thought in your mind early on, like, oh, boy, what what's going on here? You know, we just got swept in Bend. I just got down here. We had some of the worst luck we could have had. Were you at all worried at that point before you were getting back to Wenatchee for the home opener?
1: Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I'm not going to lie about that. For sure. I had just finished catching on, you know, ESPN Conference Championship game, driving cross-country, going to go play in Bend, Oregon, where it pour, it was freezing, pouring rain every single game. and. Okay. We had it was double digit scores every single game and uh, we had a lead, I think two of the games for sure. And uh just that whole that whole series, I was kinda like, What did I get myself into? <laughs> you know. But but you know, that was just the first weekend. That was just the first weekend, let it play out and uh yeah, honestly, um best decision to stay the whole summer, honestly.
0: Now, you're wearing the Apple Sox hat right now, for those who are just listening to the podcast, so we're hoping that you're looking back on the Apple Sox summer in a good light, of course, as we start out on a poor note, but things did turn around after that, and you kind of emerged as a leader on this past summer's team. What what was something you looked at as part of that? Was it just because you were around long time, you think, or was it just because you had a position like as a catcher? I think I think both, you know, just sticking around the whole summer and Catching
1: kind of goes hand in hand, you know. Um, naturally, you're going to be a leader being a catcher uh, for the most part and being able to handle the pitching staff and and while also helping hitters out whenever uh, whenever you see something. I mean, I've been around the game for a little bit, so if I can help spread some knowledge in some way, you know, I'm, I'd, I'd be willing to. So uh, all those kind of mixed together and, uh, yeah, it just kind of happened to be like that. So
0: I just remember down the season – Head coach Mitch Darlington telling me at one point that he would chat with you, uh, Xander, as well as uh, Joe Ichiro a lot of times, just kind of talk about the team. What do we need to do to win today? And Xander and I talked about that the last time he was on the podcast. Take me through those from your perspective. Was that something that was decided upon by you guys, the players, or was it Mitch kind of coming up to you guys on your own?
1: A little bit of both. Um, I think players mostly took it upon themselves. It was more... I think we had a stretch where we weren't doing too high. Like, we had lost, like, six or seven in a row or something like that, um, maybe after Bellingham. And Mitch kind of came up to us, and he fired us up. You, you know, it was pretty much how bad do we want it, in a, in a sense, you know? And players take it among, amongst themselves, and uh, um, all the guys that stayed in that second half, we, we wanted it pretty badly, obviously. So we uh, went on a little tear after that. What was
0: the turning point in the season? You mentioned the games with Bellingham. He lost six in a row to them. That's, that's so rare to see. Six games in six days, the same team don't win one. I I felt like, just as someone from the outside, I felt like at that point it was kind of a situation. We're heading to that road trip to Canada where it was like, this is kind of going make to make or break the season. You were only on that one for a little bit, but it ended up being huge. Winning, I think it was... I think we I think the song yeah, it was a four and two road trip. And it was at that point where it was like, if things don't turn around here, this could be a long summer. Was there a moment you felt like where things clicked? Was there something that happened in your eyes? I have my opinion, I'll share it in a moment, but I kinda wanted to see what your perspective was.
1: You know, I think that series after Corvallis kinda opened our eyes to how good we really were, you know, because we played we had played three tight ball games with Ball games with the the nat or the champions of the league or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, we we kind of showed how good we were. And I think after that series, we kind of started believing, like, hey, if, if we can hang with them, we can hang with anyone. We can beat anyone if we wanted to. And I felt like after that series, um, we kind of turned things around from there.
0: So kind of in that mid-July stretch, you felt like it was kind of when things came together. For sure. Yeah, I I think that's very fair to say. I I'd argue that. That weekend against Corvallis was the best baseball of the season. All three games that was that was really fun to watch. It was that as fun to be a part of as it was for I think everyone on the outside. Oh yeah, no kidding. I caught. Uh, I actually I was
1: catching that game too that we won, and that was uh, I I put that down as uh, probably my best game all summer. My the most fun game I played in behind uh, the Bellingham championship series or whatever. Um, Yeah, Corvallis was definitely my top game.
0: Yeah, that was July 16th, that walk-off on an error. It was so funny. It it felt like, to me, CJ, of those three games in that series, that was, and this isn't isn't meant to be insulting, I felt like that was the one the Apple Sox deserved to win the least. You know, I felt like Friday was the one. The Apple Sox had everything going right. You guys were... You guys I thought Mitch was winning a chess battle between him and Brooke Knight. And that's no knock on Brooke Knight. I just thought Mitch was at his absolute best for the decisions he was making. And I thought Sunday the team's resolve and the work out of the bullpen that some guys were giving. It was unbelievable. But that Saturday, I it was like it felt it felt a little stale. But you guys found a way. How do you think that happened that night?
1: Reese. Reese Leidenberg, his performance honestly fired us up. Uh, I think he went five innings. Uh, he probably had a couple of two or three Ks or whatever, but he pitched a contact and he kept everyone in it. And I think his attitude is present. He's a quiet kid, but he's coming off the mound, screaming and yelling after everything, you know, just firing us up. Wanting to put It fired our offense up pretty much as well. So um, I think we played good defense that day and everything just kind of pieced together to win that.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the signature win of the summer in a lot of ways because of how you guys won. It was – there were so many times where there was that long reliever who had to come in, whether it was Reese Leitenberg, Evan Canfield, you know, Hunter Gibson did right. it several times. What was right. that, what was that like catching guys in an instance like that? It, it's probably a little easier with a starter or were you just kind of using that same mentality with, with a reliever, you know, one inning at a time, so to speak.
1: Pretty much just one inning at a time, the the whole game, you know, especially with a team like that, because you give up a big inning to those teams they kind of feed off that and they'll run away with it. So uh, that was a really stressful game catching, uh, but funny, funny uh, behind the scenes thing. I think we called maybe one breaking ball for Reese. It was just fastball the whole really? time. The whole time he just went and attacked hitters. Uh, the night before, I didn't catch. so I was watching the hitting, and I noticed they all struggled with fastballs inside. That you know most are hitters, so we just kind of abused that
0: game plan. And you know Reese found a way five innings with just the fastball. I thought it was crazy. Was that your favorite game then of the summer? Was there another one that maybe rivaled or kind of came close to it? Cam 9 Nine oh came back. Yeah, I think I think we won twelve ten. We had no business winning that game. That was that was pretty incredible. That was one I missed that game. I was away at a it was one of our right. our former pitching coaches was getting married. Right. Our, and I went to that. But as soon as the wedding ended, I remember sitting down and just checking the score of that game. Went away for a moment, kept coming back and I couldn't – I watched – I think I watched the final three innings and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That was – it was incredible. And I thought that was so big for the team down the stretch, CJ, is there were so many guys who were gone at that point, And you had a lot of these these newer fill-in players who were rounding out the, ray, the way. It felt like winning that game was the emotional tie-in you guys all needed. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think – and I think it was cool because we had guys that
1: – I mean, we threw Dito in there. And Dito I don't think Dito's thrown more than one inning the whole summer. And he goes, I wanna say two and two thirds or whatever and keeps us in it. And then you got Brooks, Brooks Rasmussen coming in from left field and going four shetty or somewhere around there. And yeah. You know, we had no business, uh <laughs> we had no business winning that game and to come away with a win like that at their place, um, they always play after we won at Camloops. After every game we won at Camloops, they play the song "Save Your Tears" by uh, The Weeknd. That song had to be stuck in my head
0: for at least a week. So uh, that was a sweet. That was a sweet win for
1: sure.
0: Sure. won once in the seven games against you guys in 2022. They got they got you guys the next day after that. But just to you know reference it again for everyone who who wasn't remembering that game because it was on the road. It was nine to nothing Camloops after two innings. You guys scored five in the third, another in the sixth. After they'd got one in the fifth, but then exploded for six runs in the eighth. Just two big innings that night, CJ. That was all it That's took. It. What That's what it. what happened in the dugout in those innings? Was it you know you gave up eight runs in the second inning? How do you come back? How do you come back from that and win? That just doesn't happen. It doesn't. Um, you know, I think I kind of switched our mentality of our team.
1: It's more like, uh, like we had nothing to lose, pretty much. So we, we just put together good ABs one by one and uh, get people on base and stuff started to happen. And we just played loose. And that's pretty much uh, how we came away with that. We played loose. They started getting, you know, all tight and everything because their coaches are yelling because there's no way they should have blown a nine, nothing lead. Their fans are booing at them, you know, and uh, we're just feeding off that energy because camp Hoops had a really good atmosphere and it was more so uh. Proving everyone else wrong, you know?
0: Yeah, and you guys sure did that with that win and then just down the stretch in general. Let's talk about the difference in the team throughout the season. It To me, I define the 22, 2022 season in just two parts. You had the team that was there for the majority of the year, the team that pretty much got the Apple Sox the playoffs, and then you had the team down the stretch. And now that's pretty much from, I would say, probably about July – probably around July 20th, 22nd or so on, you had the rest of the team. So not quite half of the season, but there were there were a couple of ways to put it. I thought the team that started the year was the stronger team on paper. That was why you guys were in the playoffs. But the team down the stretch seemed a little bit closer. Am I wrong with that? Because it seemed like something changed a little bit as new players came in late in the season.
1: You're not wrong. I mean, uh, the second-half team, they're overachievers – that's the that's best way to describe it. Honestly, we had a bunch of hungry junior college kids wanting to make their mark and find a way into the WCL for uh, next season. And using that motivation kind of helped them uh, help them want to perform better, you know. And guys coming off from a long season, I mean, I'm one of those guys at the beginning of the year, it's kind of hard to turn back on. All right, I got to perform again, you know. It, it, it will
0: come, you know. It's just hard to sustain that throughout a whole
1: summer season.
0: For someone like you then, where you, you were there all year, you dealt with, you know, you had your one group, then you had another. Was it was it kind of tough in a way? Or, you know, seeing a lot of those guys go who you'd gotten to make memories with? Or was it also kind of a mixed bag where it was tough, but it was also kind of fun? You had new guys come in. You, you were one of those guys who was kind of setting the tone saying, hey, this is what we've got going, now be a part of it.
1: Right. Obviously, it's tough, especially when you see some of your boys leave, like, Mason Philly left early and a couple other guys um all left early and it was it was like it's tough to see him go because you know you may you make friendships throughout the way but throughout the the whole whole time there in Wenatchee. But um getting the new guys to come in, it's weird. It's like a it's like a new sense of energy, you know, you and they're willing to bring it. You know, if Mitch does he he did a great job recruiting these guys because you know, just because you got new new guys in there, doesn't mean they want to be there. You know, all the time. So you got you got some guys that were fired up and were willing and wanting to win for Wenatchee. So that made that made things a lot more fun down the stretch.
0: Yeah, it, it was really exciting to follow as well because like that game on August first, the non league game against the Cascade Collegiate League Showcase game, team, it was a lot of those new players' first game. And Mitch, I remember he he had the lineup out. You didn't play that night because it was non league. And one through nine was pretty much all new players. I had a lot of fans saying stuff to me like, who the heck are these guys? What happened to, you know, where's, where's Grant Sheriff? Where's, you know, well, he was still with the team at that point. You know, Ive Arcat was playing his last game, but everyone was wondering like, where did these guys go? And, oh yeah, well, they're shut down. But it felt like that night was, was big for the team. It, again, non-league doesn't matter, but did you feel like everyone kind of coming in at once and debuting at once helped you guys as well?
1: Yeah, I I think kind of everyone kind of meshed that game, you know, and you get the cobwebs out, uh, nerves kind of go away. I know some of those guys were a little nervous, you know, to start. And uh, once the game started flowing, then, um, you know, nerves started
0: going away. And
1: I think that just helped in the long run uh, doing that.
0: Who was one of your favorite of the the new guys down the stretch? One of the guys who wasn't there the whole season, but he came in and was a part of the team for that playoff run.
1: Uh, DJ, for sure. For sure, that dude was fired up every day and he was wanting to make plays. You know, even if you, if you didn't think you could make him play, he was making that play. So that was that was really fun to watch.
0: I loved what DJ Massey brought defensively, like you said. He had that one game, it was a liner to short. He just thought it was going to drop in for a base hit, and then he had that full extension. I mean, that had to be pretty cool for guys like you. He'd been there all year round, seeing guys still getting out there and hustling.
1: Oh, exactly. We didn't miss a beat. You know, we we uh, won a lot of games down the stretch, and that was because of of guys like that Brooks coming in. He didn't miss a beat. Uh, Stransky helped. Uh, Nino helped. You know, a lot of new guys that just came in that at first you don't know how how good they're going to be. Obviously, you never played with them, and then they come in and they contribute right away. And it's like, man, this is awesome. You know, we get we didn't miss a beat. You know, so that was that was fun watching.
0: Well, let me talk to you about then a couple of the guys who were with you pretty much all season, Joe Ichiro and Xander. You lived with Xander, and you know everyone loved Joe Ichiro. I don't know, if, I don't think anyone would have a bad thing to say about him ever, and if so, it's probably on them if that's the case. <laughs> but but <laughs> exactly. tell me what it was like playing with those two because it seemed like you guys all had a great connection all summer.
1: Oh, man. Xander, honestly, one of my best friends. Love that guy. Joe Ichiro, same thing. Love him. Love him to death. It was so fun doing the day-to-day with them because they they wanted to be there. So everything they see, like, you, you'll get some teammates that don't want to be there and they're kind of negative and, you know, they're just going through the motions. Well, Xander and Joe, you know, they wanted to be there. They're, so every day you show up, you know, and you want to compete with them. So you're like, all right, all right, play some bets or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter, uh, <laughs> matter. Uh, like <laughs> BP or whatever, but. Yeah, they're just really positive dudes, and they love baseball, and that's what made it so fun playing with them and developing friendships with them on and off the field. So uh, I remember meeting Joe Ichiro on the bus, and, you know, he came up to me, took off his hat and shook my hand. He's like, I'm Joe, you know. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, nice to meet you. I just got in, like, last night, you know. (laughs) But, yeah, there's a lot of things that that I'll never forget from, um, especially from those two guys.
0: My favorite, I think everyone has a favorite Joe story from the summer. I think mine was getting back from Edmonton really late at night. We're stopped at the border security. We all got off the bus. We had to get our pictures taken, and and Joe smiles for his, and... I remember everyone was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Is this your first time?" <laughs>
1: he's smiling.
0: Yeah, Joe. He's a funny guy. I love him. I love him to death. So yeah, it was. He was. he was great. It was good to have all you guys on the team as well. So you brought it up. So now I've got to. I got to ask about it. You mentioned bets throughout the season. I know guys do it. I, a lot of times, coaches are involved in some of those. What were some of your? And you can talk about it now since the season's over. What were some of the fun bets you guys had going, and which ones hit? You know. Me, me and Xander would,
1: would bet like dumb stuff, like line drives over like second base or whatever and like BP, loser got to buy dinner, you know, and, and then just, you know, dumb stuff like that. Uh, you know, I can't go too, too in-depth because NCAA, you know, but uh, yeah, there's there's
0: there's a lot of things that, that were fun around the game, so. You mentioned that you guys all cared. Like the three of you, you guys cared, you were locked in, you know, Joe Cho had a full junior college season. He had every reason to be tired. Xander, same kind of thing. He was coming off some injuries. He had a full season. He had every reason to be tired, but he cared. Let me ask you this then, because you said there are a lot of guys who kind of come through summer ball and go through the motions. Why did you care in two thousand twenty two with the Apple songs, and why did you give it your all every day?
1: For one, I love baseball. All right, that and if you love something, you're gonna you're gonna care about it. So every day it was like a new opportunity to go out and. And play the sport I love. All right. Hands two I had a chip on my shoulder from the year before. Uh losing that conference championship game really hurt because we had everything in front of us, you know. We we in the winner winner take all take all winner take all game and losing that. We had a seven nothing lead, losing that, uh, you know, that hurts, you know, hurts a lot. And you just want to come back hungrier the next season, this season. I'm an older guy, so I mean you gotta just cherish your mo your mo. My fifth year of college baseball, so that college summer, I mean, it's a grind, but I mean, you only get limited amount of games left, you know. For all you know, so uh, I just came in with that mindset, like, all right, well, play it like it's your last, because you don't know if this is your last summer season or not, and that that kind of um, helped me get through a lot of things, especially like if I were slumping or anything. So,
0: did you? We talked about some of the favorite moments earlier. Did you have a moment? Maybe there's something that happened where you just kind of went like boy, I'm really glad I was here this summer. Was there something, maybe it was on the field, maybe it was off, maybe it's just a moment with teammates. Was there a moment where you just kind of were like, boy, this was a really good decision, I'm really glad everything's worked out?
1: Yeah, you know, there there are a lot of moments, honestly, like that. I think, honestly, uh, this little, uh, one of the one of the fans' little kid came up to me and had me sign his ball or whatever, and then after that, you know, you can see, you can tell how grateful this kid was. You know, after that, he came come out early and, like, try to play catch with me or something like that. Um, But just uh, realizing how you had kind of like an impact on the fans were like, you know, a big deal, you know, on the emotional side of things, Uh, other moments, like obviously when you succeed and stuff like that, you're like, Oh man, I love that. It's a new memory. Uh, I think it was Springfield. I hit a grand slam off the pole. You know, and I don't think I've ever, you know, that was a cool feeling. And after that, I was like, you know, maybe maybe I am in the right place. You know, so that was a that was a fun memory. But usually, like, we interact with the fans and all the kids, kids camps and all that stuff. You know, uh, you kind of realize how much of an impact you have on on the community as a whole. So uh, being able to to realize that was a big, big deal for sure.
0: You brought up that before in the doubleheader, but that last day to beat Springfield and that home run was a big part of it. That was your first of the season. You didn't have any in the spring at Ball State. How good did that feel to crush one to dead center and hit a big target like that?
1: Oh, that was awesome. I didn't even I didn't realize it went out, to be honest. And then I heard the I heard the sound effects or whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, man. I just snuck out. All right. I have, I have juice, you know, it was like a cool, like realization, like, all right, well, I, I can hit home runs in this league. Yeah. that So that was a cool feeling and co- obviously coming back and, and winning that game was, was big time too. It was kind of cool seeing how frustrated uh, Springfield was. So that was a, that was a fun moment.
0: The 2023 Wenatchee Apple Sox season is right around the corner and the best way to enjoy all the fun at Paul Thomas Sr. Stadium is with season tickets. Season tickets are now on sale for as affordable as $145 and they lock in your seats to all home games from June to mid-August and they also include all postseason games for free at no additional cost. Premium reserve seating closer to the field and with seat backs on them are also available for $245. And new this season are flex packs for Apple Sox fans. It's a value general admission pack of $60 that gives you 10 general admission tickets that can be used at any point in the 2023 season. Single game tickets will go on sale later on in the spring, but for right now the best option and the best value is to purchase Apple Sox season tickets. Head over to Applesox.com right now to lock in your seats. So obviously that home run was a big one for you. You had four in total over the summer. Was the one off the flagpole in June your favorite? Was it another one maybe? Because there's a couple others that really stood out to me. I remember the one in that game on July 1st against Ben where you guys won 14-3. to You had one of, I think, three that night. And then there were a couple of other ones, too. You had the playoff home run against Kamloops, the 17-2 to win at home. Did you have a favorite one? Was it that flagpole blast? Flagpole is hard to beat uh, Grand Slam, but um,
1: Ben, that game, that game was awesome. I think we had three total bombs, me, Ponce, and Stuke. That was awesome, especially from getting swept the series before and and I think we beat them like fourteen to one or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That that had to be the best one. I think I had missed a I had missed another home run on that game too. I think I ended up with a a bomb and a double. But that was that was a fun game to play
0: in because I I wasn't a big fan of Ben all year, so <laughs> it was a tough start to the season against them. So very understandable. I remember thinking at the time that that was a statement victory that was July 1st. You guys would lose two or three in that series, but you had just swept Kelowna. you took that one in, in dramatic fashion against Bend. felt like that was just a, a big statement for you guys because at that point uh, that yeah that had given you six consecutive wins that it was kind of Bend was a team who I, I'd say they probably should have been in the playoffs. they just were in a tight division and they just right. just barely missed out but that was a big win and felt like it really pushed you guys in the right direction.
1: Yeah, it did. I think we had, I think that was one of the games. I think we got up to 500 probably or just above it. So that was that was a big deal for us cuz we were fighting that all, all season.
0: So there were a couple of records you guys smashed over the course of the year, but for me I think one of the fun ones was following uh, Joe Ichiro down the stretch trying to get that stolen base one. The game against Walla Walla at the end of the season didn't matter, but you it was clear once uh, the game had kind of unraveled that you guys were trying to get Joe that record, and he and that was I always said I'm glad the Apple Sox lost that game because otherwise he wouldn't have broken the stolen base record. What do you remember from that one? Because that was pretty hysterical. Runners at first and second, double steal, and they throw to second anyway, and he still gets the bag.
1: First thought was, "What are you doing throwing to second? Like, come on!" Like, but um, it was it was crazy how that shook up. Obviously, we were leading that game. I mean, I don't think we shouldn't have. I think that was extra innings, was it not? It was
0: bottom yeah. of the ninth for that one.
1: Oh, bottom of the ninth. Okay, yeah, like it shouldn't have happened. I remember the the AB before, we we're like, no, oh man, Joe's not going to get the record. Like we we're all kind of down, and then all of a sudden his spot in the lineup comes up, and we're like, all right, Joe, you got to find a way off. I'm like come on, just be Joe, you know. And he gets on, and he got to, he got the stolen base, so that was awesome. But. I, coming back to that, he had so many chances to do it before then, but he's so aggressive. He'll steal a base, it'll be an overthrow, and he'll go, take the next base on that overthrow. And it's like, dude, just stay, you know, get stolen bases. But he played hard all the time, and that was that was one thing I always admired about him, for sure.
0: It was so fun to watch that throughout the course of the season as well. And we, we talked about him, we talked about you and Xander and the leadership aspect. And I wanted to ask you about this because this was something down the stretch that I thought, this is – Kind of an example of leadership. It was that it was the night before that, the second to last game of the season, when you guys were taking on Walla Walla. Now it was the ninth inning. You're up ten to one, and I remember you and R.J. Wantanabe. I think it was your first time working together, and I think I forget what happened. You know what I'm referring to. So I remember R.J. was he just wasn't finding the zone, and looked like you guys were getting kind of crossed up a little bit, and you kind of got up, and you were pretty you were pretty adamant with your your, your emotions that you were making. Your, something was bothering you. What can you tell us from that? Because to me, that was kind of like, I, it, to me in that instance, not to knock RJ, it felt like in that moment it was you get up and saying, let's quit messing around. Let's get through this. Let's get these three outs.
1: Right. Uh, we were up 10-1. to one And, uh, yeah, that was a mound visit. Um, so before the inning started, he, RJ's from Japan. All right, we're going to clarify this. So his English isn't the greatest, you know. And uh, so I told him the signs, right? I don't think he remembered the pitches to the numbers. <laughs> so every pitch he threw crossed me up. And not not just that, he would shake off three to four pitches, every three to four signs that I would throw down. So it was like, dude, it's 10 to one. Just throw no fastballs, you know, throw strikes. Let's get out of here. He's shaking me off. He wants splitters and curveballs. And it's like, come on, man. So I called time. I'm upset because he had thrown a curveball when I called a fastball. And I'm like, dude, come on. I I called Joe Ichiro in. I'm like, all right, let's get this straight. You're going to tell him in Japanese, please. So we got it straight. We got the signs down. RJ got the signs down. And we we ended up walking away. But, yeah, that was for a catcher, that's that's a frustrating moment for sure. But it's funny looking back on it now for sure.
0: How was your communication with your pitchers all year? Was it was it you calling the game, or was it did Mitch kind of have a plan in mind? It changes team to team in the summer. Sometimes coaches all let their uh, their catchers call the game themselves, especially if they're more experienced like you. Uh, what was that like? Or did, did how did you work with different types of pitchers over the course of the summer?
1: Yeah, I, I called every game this summer, so that was fun. Um, usually, I get with the pitcher, the starting pitcher, before and I'd be like, hey. Summer ball, obviously. So you're always working on stuff. So that'd always be my first question. Hey, what do you want to work on today? You know, second after the pen, and be like, hey, what's feeling good today? And they tell me what they think's feeling good. I'll tell them what what looks good. You know, and you kind of go in with a plan, thinking like, all right, this is how we're gonna dominate. This is what they want to work on. This is what their best pitches look like right now. And you kind of go off from there and. Obviously, things change during the game. People get tired and stuff, and you kind of just have to rely on their best pitches at the moment,
0: for sure. You talk about pitchers wanting to work on some stuff. Uh, Who was a guy over the course of the season you felt like, who you watched and you caught a lot, who you're like, boy, he's really improved and he's going back to school, a better player? Putty. Jake Putnam,
1: for sure. For sure. He was very – and it was fun to watch. Him and Jack Moffitt. I can't leave out Moff. Uh, especially uh, from that first series and um to the end of the year at uh, Bellingham, like that jump was awesome. Uh, both those guys um, definitely impl- improved their uh, command and and uh, especially command of their off-speed pitches. And that's kind of what they were working on all, all summer and
0: getting innings in. And you can tell it paid off for sure. What were some things you were working on and how did you feel that you improved on those over the course of the summer? The main thing was just driving
1: the ball uh hitting the ball with power that was kind of my main main uh focus all summer so I was I was fortunate enough and we all were uh to have marcus as a coach because that's that's pretty much what he preached he catered to all of our uh, all of our needs and that that's was probably one of the biggest blessings for me was uh, having him there because not only did he make me believe in myself at the play but he also taught me the best way on how to you know drive the ball hard in the air consistently and you know,
0: because of that, um, he helped me end up having a good summering. What was it about Marcus Leiden that worked so well for you guys? Because so many hitters raved about him. You know, and it it was just a great year for the guys at the plate. And, you know, he put in a lot of the work to help make that happen.
1: He didn't cookie cut. That was that was the biggest t- takeaway. Um, he didn't he, – he wasn't like, here's the way I hit or this is the way I teach hitting, you know, this – He catered to each of our needs and, you know, he taught Joe Ichiro differently than what he taught me, you know, two different players. He taught, you know, Matt the bat uh, differently than Sander. I mean, it it was and that was cool to see. So we all had our own little drills, had our own little progressions and he provided that base for us, you know, and uh, because of that, we were all able to exceed expectations if, if uh, if that were the right way to put it.
0: When I spoke with Xander a few weeks ago, we talked about some guys who he kind of watched. And he brought Matt Hall back as a guy who he really liked to watch. And he learned a lot just from seeing him hit. Who was a guy maybe you you enjoyed watching hit where you just learned from that? And who was a guy who maybe just from speaking with, you felt like you learned a lot just as a player?
1: Matt Matt's hard to be. He was so fun to watch. And I was, well, I was just so gifted. You, you know, he's young too, but he was just the ball off the bat was different for both those guys, you know, and uh, they were so fun to watch talking about hitting Joe Ichiro. Mm-hmm. I can sit and talk to that guy for hours about hitting mechanics, everything. And it was always funny. You always wanted to hit like me, but I was like, "Dude, I want to hit like you, you know? So we kind of just go back and forth on mechanics and approach and all that stuff. And uh, so talking, hitting, definitely Joe Xander as well. Xander, Xander was awesome, and he can spray line drives over second base and shortstop's head whenever he wanted. I think it was, it was unbelievable. It was awesome. He was king of up the middle, so that was fun to watch. But um, Matt the bat and Ivar were, were are seriously gifted. So uh, they were fun to watch and play with.
0: I felt like the the two best hitters all year were Joe Ichiro and Matt Hallback. Now right. Joe Ichiro could hit to all fields but you couldn't really teach the way he came to hit. You couldn't teach that, I would argue. It's just, it's kind of a, what I loved was when he faced left-handed hitters, he felt like he pulled the ball more against them, and his batting average was really good against lefties. He faced right-handed hitters, he would kind of slap the ball, or what I loved was when guys were, like, falling through, he tried to place the ball off of the mound behind them so they couldn't field it. I I love the way he did that, but again, you can't teach that. Right. To me... Matt Hallback was the most pure hitter of the team. Like you're a right-handed hitter watching him, you're going that's what I want to do, that's what I want to do and that's what I want to do. Is that true?
1: Right. Yeah, he wasn't Deadpool. He wasn't trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark every every at bat. So that was fun to watch. He was a uh, he's a gamer. So uh, yeah, when the lights came on, he showed up to play and that was always really fun to be around. Uh really unfortunate to lose him to the uh dude injury in um Camloops, but i mean throughout the whole summer i thought you did awesome so kudos
0: let's talk about the playoffs game one at Camloops, august 9th and you guys <laughs> you're rolling to cam a little bit late a little trouble with the bus getting up there no batting practice you're just going for it you're a catcher you're trying to deal with your starting pitcher that night connor ashworth what was the discussion going in because connor ended up having i mean what well, ended up being his second best game of the year but i mean Crying out loud he took a you know a perfect game into the what fifth inning or sixth inning I think it was uh sixth inning. It six. yeah six. what the heck was what the heck did you guys do right to get it all ready with such short notice well that was a weird game because
1: yeah it had taken us like nine hours to get there something stupid like that and we had missed BP and me and Connor probably threw for about 20 30 minutes so we hardly any warm-up um, I was already upset because um, you know, coming off the a long bus ride like that and then having to catch that night is miserable. I mean, it, oh, yeah. there's no way around it. It's miserable. Um and I was the only catcher I think we had at the time too. So it was like there's no sitting out this one. It's playoff time, you gotta go. So um I just kinda took that frustration out on the field. <laughs> But uh, it was it was fun. Uh, we had a game plan, just attack, and I think that was one of his first outings since uh, he had some arm trouble throughout the summer, so he got shut down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he was on. He uh, he was dying fastballs away, and his breaking ball was on he had, um He was paying up for strikes and in the dirt, and uh, yeah, they they didn't have an answer for him until the sixth. So that was it. Was awesome to catch. Those are always fun to catch for sure.
0: And how fun was it to win that game? You were a big part of that. Three hits that night, two RBI, and you guys, you just came to play. You know, three runs in the third, three in the fifth, five in the sixth. Before you know, it's its pretty much over at that point. And you guys are just coming in there shorthanded, a couple extra bodies on the bench, but that's it. How exciting was it to win that game?
1: Oh, exhilarating. It was awesome. Um, yeah, especially, I mean, it was it, again, it was, it was it was that mindset like we have no business winning this game like we didn't have a BP. We were on the road. We just got off an eight hour bus ride like we legit have no business winning this game. And I think we used that to our advantage. We It fueled us. And because of that, um, you know, we just played loose and everything kind of fell our way. It was awesome. And I think their head coach ended up slamming the chair in the eighth inning. And, you know, and
0: that that's how we knew we kind of sealed that series up. So. Did you know, you guys, you stayed the night, and you come back the next day. Did you know, kind of going back to Wenatchee, you had them, just because you took game one? Or did you kind of be like, well, both of us are going to be a little fatigued today. This could be a little tough. Uh, I, we knew we
1: had them. Um, they're kind of a team that, except for that one game, we, we handled them pretty easily, but I think the roles were were reversed in a way. I mean, obviously we had to drive back too, but after that night, they you know they were so down. And I think we were up as in we didn't want to take it to game three. So it was kind of like we're gonna we're gonna finish this tonight. We're we're at, at our home stadium, um, big crowd. It was awesome, great atmosphere. Uh, we naturally showed out, so that was awesome, and uh, we we had that chip on our shoulder. We're gonna finish this game and, and all gas no breaks. I think we put up like seventeen runs that game and gave up too. And, you know, the rest is history. Then we end up in the divisional championship series. So
0: The cool thing I thought about coming back was, yeah, you guys are a little tired, but you got two big boosts back that night. You got Quincy Vassar coming back just to pitch that game because he wanted to, Um, which was so cool. And you had Brandon Ponce coming back who not a big deal comes back, goes four for five, nearly leaves the yard twice. How much did having those two as reinforcements really re-energize you guys for game two?
1: Oh, Quincy was awesome that game uh they they didn't have an answer for him and that was it was so fun to catch too but again it's like bringing new people in except these were our boys they came back and 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 helped us out so it was energizing it was refreshing you know like you know it, it's kind of weird it' like once an Apple sox always an Apple sox in a way and bring these guys back it's it was ins- it was awesome it was great it was great um uh, it was great for setting the tone
0: hey, you had a big home. You had a big home run in that game as well in that 6th inning of that one where you guys scored 7 runs. How good did that feel at that point?
1: Uh we it we sealed it. We knew it was over at that point. So uh I think I had that home run and I heard I saw sound the horn or whatever. And I had the I heard the horn and everything. So I thought that was a that was a cool little installment there. So appreciate that, but uh yeah, we knew we had it in the bag. We yeah, that was that was an awesome feeling.
0: What was a more exciting win? Was it Game Two against Camloops to win the series, move to the championship game of the division, or was it that clinching game, August fifth? Because on August fifth, I mean, I can't. I always say to people, you can't understate how important that night was for the team because they had just lost two or three to Yakima Valley, two games you guys very easily could have had, but just Yakima was pl- Yakima was playing for their season and they did their best and they got the wins that night. But you guys come home, everyone's kind of tired. But then I felt like the team fed off of what was, I don't think they were expecting a big crowd, but that was another instance. When actually showed up August 5th, that game won against Walla Walla, and I thought it really re-energized you guys. Yeah,
1: for sure. That was a huge win. That was awesome. Um, yeah, because, I mean, what was, I don't even remember last time Apple Sox were in the playoffs. They, I, 2019. I was, yeah, 2019. And uh, to do it in front of our home crowd, it was like, you know, writing the story, I mean. Uh, we could have done it in Yakima pretty easily. Uh, we blew two games that we should have won, and so everyone was kind of down in the dumps on that. But we didn't realize how good Yakima was at the time. And coming, coming to see Walla Walla at our home field and home field advantage and having the crowd behind us. I mean, yeah, when yeah, when when Natchez shows up to the games, I mean, it's a different atmosphere there at uh, Paul Thomas. I mean, you love it. You feed off of it. And, You know, I think some of our best games had our best crowds. So. That was that was probably a more exciting win than uh than the divisional round. So Okay. Uh interesting Because, I mean both were really exciting nights with, with right. so hard to pick. I there. think I think by hair, you know, not much. They're they're both hand in hand. Um and Corvallis is up there too. I mean, I can't you can't leave that out. That was also an awesome awesome one as well. Crowds were into those, those games, games and that made it just so, so fun,
0: fun as well. As well. The, right. the The division championship game, just a really sour way to end the season. It was that kind of thing. It, it's, it's what makes baseball so great and what makes it so tough. It, it's you know a two out opposite field line drive, right field. Our fastest player on the field can't get to it. He did everything he could, and he still couldn't get to it. And that ball drops in. What what's going through your mind and the dugout at that time and the rest of that game? I was, so I was catching and, um, Bellingham was pretty
1: quiet. I think they pulled out like 2,500 people or something that game, some, some insane. And, uh, they were quiet the whole game, uh, two to two in the eighth. And yeah, that hit happened. And all of a sudden I felt a roar. Like it was, it was insane. Like I, I actually got chills by how loud the stadium had gotten after that play. It was, it was insane. I hadn't felt anything like that all summer. Um, that crowd reacting, but it was kinda like, all right, it's game on, you know, like we gotta go to the top of the ninth. We gotta find a way to scratch a run. They're a great pitching team. I think they're number one in the division. Um and they had a good closer and he shut us down that last inning. But um yeah, it was you know, looking back at it, it was more so of like, um if you told me at the beginning of the season after Ben that we're gonna make it that far, you know, I I don't know how much I would have believed you, you know. And then we ended up second in the in the North Division after the the whole season we had. And It was kind of like, man, we actually had an awesome season looking back at it. At the time, it stunk because, you know, the one game series, you know, you, you're leaving a bunch of guys you made relationships with all year, and and uh, now I'm like, oh man, I gotta go back to Indiana because school starts here in a week. You know, so like, my mind, my mindset kind of switched to that after the game. But but um, no. Nah, it was sad looking back at it, you know, but, you know, pretty grateful that we made it that far. What,
0: what was something, something you'll, you'll take, take from this past, past summer with the Apple Sox so as a, a human being, be as a baseball player? What's, what's something, something you'll, you'll take from your time, time in Wenatchee? Uh,
1: be where your feet are, honestly. Taking every moment because, uh, you know, things, life happens fast. So, uh, yeah, honestly, uh, if you. I found out I was playing Wenatchee in a series, uh, Northern Illinois. So I was like, what's Wenatchee? Where is it? I looked it up. It's like central Washington. What's it, what's over there? Like fields or something like no, nah, you know, it's beautiful. There's mountains. So just don't take anything for granted. Um, really, that's kind of what, what I learned, be where your feet are and don't take anything for granted because you know, you make a lot of memories and you got to, cherish them pretty much and make the most of them for sure
0: i'll go to one other more uh you know in in-depth question i guess kind of similar to that one but I, I always like to ask this i forgot to do it with xander what was your favorite road ballpark that you played at in 2022 in the west coast league
1: uh Camloops. Camloops is hard to beat because not the field itself I, I didn't think the field itself was great but I think the atmosphere, you know, made it for sure. You had a bunch of hockey fans, pretty much, you know, you walk up to the plate and you know, you walk up to the plate and they announce your name and they yell at who cares, you know, like every single time. And that stuff sticks with you. So because of that atmosphere, that was probably the most fun place to play. Um, it's hard not to say Bellingham. Um, it's weird. The field's kind of uphill in a way. So like catching it's weird and hitting it's kind of weird, but, um, the turf's beautiful. I thought the turf was fine, um, and they always had a crowd every single game. So, uh, yeah, uh, Worst Field Bend for sure? I had to throw that in there. Worstfield Field is Bend, all right? And, and, and... <laughs> it rained three days there, so you know it's hard for anyone to work with that. Right, right. Don't don't play there in May because it was freezing and raining. So,
0: well, they're getting they're getting that field turf though. I,
1: don't know I, heard, about that. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah, and you're probably going year too late. <laughs> yeah, a year too late. But they do need bigger dugouts, all right. Like I, I don't. That that was the one con too. Like it was raining mud everywhere. Field was not great. Turf would definitely help. They need some bigger dugouts. So that was about it.
0: Now the Apple Sox are going to open up 2023 there again, and I remember I, I'm seeing your face right now, and I I text I texted Mitch Darlington about that, and I was like, "All right, Mitch, the goal is to avoid a deja vu of last season." although we're going to start in the same place as last season.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, a light going out. Was that the first game? Oh, like extra that. innings too. Yeah.
0: Or no, it was right before yeah. extra innings.
1: Right. Right before extra innings. And then we had to finish it out the next day to get walked off. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was tough, uh, tough trying to bounce back from that and end up playing two other games and freezing rain, you know? So, uh, Hopefully, hopefully it's it's sunny and 65 around that time, for sure.
0: Oh, I hope so. To me, the worst part, the toughest part about that trip was the Sunday game was a 5 o'clock game, and then what was it, the 6th or 7th inning, it starts to rain. Getaway day, home openers the next day, one of the longer bus rides in the States of the season, and we throw in a rain delay. I I, I remember at that point I thought, I'm about to just go out and stand in this rain at this point. <laughs> right, Uh.
1: yeah, that was, I remember that that was brutal and then having to play trying to recover for monday i think we had port angeles or something it worked out you guys had a great game that night yeah. we had a great game the next day but like in the moment you're like man i gotta i got a mountain i gotta climb yeah. play this one yeah for sure so uh yeah that was <laughs> that that's one of the most memorable uh, series that i would take away from the season you know obviously it sucks to lose but just how it happened it was
0: oh yeah it was it's insane. Cool. Like.
1: Yeah, or you couldn't I? write that stuff
0: up. It just felt like you guys fed off of that adversity, though. You had those moments where it was almost like you had to look at each other and just go, really? But then it, you guys found ways to thrive right after that every time. Right, yeah. we
1: And, yeah, resiliency, that was probably a good way to, to describe our team. We were pretty resilient, you know, and and hard-headed, too. We didn't like losing. So, you know, all that fed together. I mean, we might not have been the most talented team most nights, but, We found ways to get the job done in a way, so.
0: Absolutely. CJ, the last question I've got for you, I feel like we could go forever, but we don't want to give a three-hour podcast here. Yeah, you're good, you're good. good. (laughs) Last question. I always love to ask now former players this. If you were giving advice to someone who is about to join the Apple Sox in 2023, what advice would that be?
1: Enjoy every moment. Yeah, because you never know. Wins or losses, I mean, in the moment they matter you know they're always there but enjoy just being with your teammates being able to play in an awesome atmosphere like paul thomas um enjoy being able to sign autographs and and do interviews with you post game you know or pre-game or whatever um or seeing your face on the jumbotron during all the questions or whatever you guys had us doing and uh just enjoy all the little things like that because you know there there aren't many places like it i I've been fortunate enough that I've had a couple of places where I, I played summer ball uh, that were like that. But not everywhere's like that. So, you know, just realize how, how good you have it and make the most of it for sure.
0: Awesome. Well, CJ, thanks for the time. Thanks for, you know, all the fun moments in the past 2022 season as well. Uh, you know, you were pretty quickly a fan favorite throughout the season. Every once in a while, I'll see an ad that has your walk-up song in it. And I'll always remember a couple of your home runs from the year. It's the one, Um, it's like a, a seltzer or something. I forget what it is. They have they They'll play they'll your play, your, yeah, yeah. your song, and I'm always like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, you know, now batting, C.J. Horn. <laughs> so, but thanks for spending some time here, and best of luck at Ball State. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. If you enjoyed it and don't already, please subscribe to get updates on our newest episodes. Make sure to like the Apple Sox on Facebook and follow at Apple on Twitter or Instagram. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.